entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, and along with my executive producer, DC Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so they can inspire others. I'm proud to let you know we record the Business Builder Show in the studios of 94.3 FM, The Talker, which is part of Bold Gold Media, and we are in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find our show and many other fine shows at C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. My special guest with me today is Ron. And say your last name so I don't murder it, Ron. Carucci. Carucci. I had it. I would have had that right, D.C. Taylor. Taylor. (laughs) We didn't practice that, though. Carucci. I got it. Thank you. Hey, Ron Carucci is my special guest. And Ron is co-founder and managing partner at Navalent working with CEOs and executives pursuing transformational change for their organizations, leaders, and industries. Ron has a 30-year track record helping some of the world's most influential executives tackle challenges of strategy, organization, and leadership. From startups to Fortune 10s, turnarounds to new markets and strategies, overhauling leadership and culture to redesigning for growth, Ron has worked in more than 25 countries, on four continents. In addition to being a regular contributor to HBR and For- HBR and Forbes, Ron has been featured in Fortune, CEO Magazine, Business Insider, MSNBC, and Ron, congratulations! You're now hitting the big time. You're on the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Hey, Marty, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, so, I have read something, and I know this is in your book called "Rising to Power." You also wrote about it in different variations, and in, and in, in you write in all different kinds of uh, publications. So, uh, first of all, it's depressing when I read this, but I guess uh, you can tell me why. So, why do so many leaders fail within their first eighteen months? That's kind of depressing. But talk to me. You know, Marty. Contrary to popular belief, it's not just because they suck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which might be what most people conclude. Yeah. Well, um, tell me more. But- but these are actually more often than not very promising, agile, high potential young leaders aspiring to do great things in their organizations or in their startups or in their companies. Um, just ill prepared and uninformed about what they're going to face when they get to bigger jobs. Hmm. Um, the sad thing about the discovery for us was that we've known for more than 20 years that this is the norm. Of course, recruiters love it because it's an annuity for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. But for everybody else, the carnage, the wake of bodies, the wake of careers, the wake of missed opportunities is just piling high. Hmm. And um, it became personal for us a bunch of years back when I got a phone call from a guy, young, 
upstart, promising, smart, loved by everybody. You know, everybody knew he was going places. Everybody wanted to follow him. Um, at the end of one of our transformational projects in a big company, actually out, out in your neighborhood, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. um, he was given this, you know, the chance to take on a much bigger assignment in this new design we'd built. And of course, nobody was surprised and mm-hmm. everybody is, he'd probably make history. And about nine months later, he called me and I thought, oh, he's going to call and catch up and tell me how great he's doing. And he called me to tell me he'd been fired. Mm. And I was shocked. Yeah. To, wow. How could we how could we have been so off? Mm. Well, I didn't even have time to catch my breath. And you know, a couple hours later, the CEO called me to tell me they let him go. And he was kind of ticked. Mm. He more than subtly inferred that part of this man's failure was my my responsibility because I, I hadn't better prepared him. Which of course no no consultant wants to hear oh, you know the CEO oh, blaming you for one of his prized possessions. Oh boy, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So I said, hey, can we come? I mean, can I? If I screwed up here, I want to know how I did it. Can I come back in and dig around? Can I come? Can we find out how we could have misjudged his potential so so terribly and find out what could have gone wrong here? And he said, sure. Um, so you know, that little investigation actually led us to a ten year longitudinal study of more than 2,700 leaders. Wow. Where in fact, where, which is where, in fact, we discovered that this this poor kid was just a number statistic. He yeah. was just one, one more on the pile. Yeah, let me let me jump in because I want people to know uh, how to reach out to you immediately. Ron's last name is Carucci, and it's C-A-R-U-C-C-I. Your company's name, tell me that, and your website. It's Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T.com. And your book is available through Amazon, I know, because I've seen it. And the title of that book is? Is Rising to Power, The Journey of Exceptional Executives. Okay, so here you are. Um, something negative happened. And so you said, hey, I think we have a learning opportunity here. So what did you find out, man? What's what's the story? Well, what's the scoop? We actually found out, Marty, was it to wonder any of them are succeeding on the way up, given the landmines organizations put in their way. Um and we found out that this young gentleman was just one more statistic, one more, uh, one more, you know, otherwise naive leader go- that went tap dancing in the landmines of yeah. Yeah. organizations. And here's an example. It, in the very processes we used to select these leaders, we set them up to fail. During the early part of, of screening them, we say things to them like, you know, looking, of course, at the device we all know is the least reliable tool to select leaders from, their resume – but we use it anyway. Yeah, right. We say, so we say things like, hey, look at all these great brands you built. That's what we need. Or, oh my gosh, look at these great technology apps you built. We're looking for the same thing here. Or, wow, you've turned around two sales forces before. Our sales force needs that too. Yeah. And in those statements, we send a very dangerous message to them. What we say to them is, you have a recipe. You have a formula. Uh-huh. We want to come here, apply that formula to us. Uh-huh. So now they think they've got this mythical mandate to come in and repeat their past success. So what do they do? They shut their brains off, ignore the context, and just start slapping their 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 formula onto the environment. Of course, when it stops working, they just slap harder. Wow. Great then insight. They, so, okay, go yeah, ahead. Keep going. I have then, a question. Keep get, going. So then they, so we call that the myth of the mandate. Then they get frustrated. They feel like, why isn't this working? Um, so they go to their hiring manager and, and say something like, why didn't you tell me it was this bad? Um, then they're, you know, how have you people made any money? Now their diagnosis becomes an indictment. Uh, and the one thing you know about people when they're being judged is the last thing they want to do is help you. Yeah. And so now the entire <laughs> environment of people whose, whose support he or she needs are now backing away from them 
as they slowly take the halo that was on their head and hang themselves with it as a noose. Okay. And that's just a yeah. we've, we've all seen that story. Interesting. Interesting. I'll tell you what's crossing my mind. Now, it not directly, uh, doesn't connect directly, I don't think. But aren't we knocking out more MBAs than ever before? Aren't aren't uh, Stanford and Yale, the Ivies and, and uh, whoever, are knocking out all these MBAs with all this kind of background? Uh, shouldn't shouldn't these executives be more prepared? I mean, what? Oh, my, what oh my the, gosh, go buddy. Ahead. But from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> you have to wonder. I mean, I cannot tell you how many MBA students I sit in front of almost in tears. You know, how how many sentences they say that begin with nobody told me. Ah, nobody told I, me. Okay. This is the, the I wasn't ready for the real world. We didn't talk about this in B school. I took one org behavior class on group dynamics. That was it. No one told me I had to care about teamwork. Ah, um, yeah. The endless list of ill preparedness from our rising stars is is profoundly irresponsible, which is why so many leaders are now having to go back to, you know, find other sources of nano degrees and other yeah. ways to get trained for very specific uh, challenges they don't want to have to go back and pay 80, 80 or 90 grand for. So how do they learn? Okay, so they go back, they go for other degrees. I mean, so it's kind of like, is there a boot camp for these people? I mean, in fact, how do they learn? I guess this is this is part of our discussion. We don't want them to fail within 18 months, right, Ron? <laughs> we, well, you'd think so. You'd think that other than the recruiters, we want them to succeed. We make big bets on these people. Yeah. Um, and we – so if um, you're a listener, we, we decided, you know what? We're not seeing organizations manufacture their own cadre of leaders, so we'll make our own. So we started an effort called Rising Together, um, oh. and we are selecting – promising young executives who aspire to be vice presidents or who aspire to be bigger jobs. And we are taking them for a year and we are accompanying them in very carefully curated content with very, you know, intensified one-on-one -on -one and group learning to help them prepare for all the landmines they're going to step in so that when they get there, they're ready. Okay. Stop there. Say that again. So that is called rising together. Yep. And if they come to our website, which is, www.navalent.com. Um, wow. They can find out information about that cohort and find out information about how they can go on the journey uh, of leaders before they get into the, the chair uh, and, and freeze up and don't know what to do. And, and so you, you spend, did you say a year with them in prep? Yep, one year. That's kick ass. I like that. And it's intense. And, and we only take, we're only taking, each cohort only has 12 people. Wow. And so it's very intensive. It's very immersive because, you know, Marty, I, I'm getting tired of being discouraged. I'm getting tired of walking into these organizations and watching terrific people who yeah. really ought to have a shot at going the distance and get in the big chair, getting sidelined. Okay. Um, yeah. Because no one, no one warns them about what they have to face. Well, yeah. No one warns them. That's fascinating. And, and so they're failing. So let's get into some specific challenges when they're getting there. Well, what didn't people tell them? What's, what's surprising the hell out of them when they get there? So the first one is context, right? So you, you, you don't get to come in and, and impose your answers on yeah. the organization without adapting. Yeah. You have to start with the premise that this place has as much to change in you as you have to change in it. Hmm. Um, hmm. And the second one is the altitude, right? So now your life plays out on a jumbotron. Right. Yeah, you yeah. are you are an alien next door. I've got an article coming out tomorrow in Forbes called, you know, four adjustments you have to make to keep that promotion. Uh. 
Interesting. Um, and they're not ready for the bigger than life personas. People can talk to you, right? They make up, they're fascinated by you, you now have power. Um, and so now, everything you do has meaning. If you walk down the hall faster, it means you're angry. Uh, yeah, if you ra- yeah, if you yeah. raise one eyebrow, you're disapproving. You can't do anything or, or say anything. There's no such thing. You can't get in the elevator and say, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? People yeah. people assume there's meaning to it now. Yeah. And most leaders are not ready for you know, that level of exposure and visibility and that level of uh, this. I tell leaders all the time, you have to just behave as if there's a bullhorn strapped to your mouth 24-7. Wow, and everything yeah. you say and do is amplified. It's just the reality. It's part of a job. It's not good or bad. Um, yeah. And the other other one that's really disorienting for many leaders is the relationship landscape. They feel like aliens. Suddenly, people who are my direct reports, I don't relate to anymore. People who are my peers are now my direct reports. Yeah. People who are my bosses are now my peers. All yeah. the rules of those relationships have to change. What, yeah. you can, what information you can share. You know, People start coming up to you and saying, hey, you got my back, right? Suddenly now they think you can do them favors or suddenly they want things from you or suddenly they, they fear you want things from them. Yeah. Wow. That and changes everything. Without anything changing, yeah. everything changes. Yeah. So another thing that crossed my mind, or maybe I read it in one of your articles, I probably did. So I'm stealing your thunder probably. But what crossed my mind was when they come in, they're probably, I guess, maybe this is a, a, a give, give me feedback on this is that they're in there and they're looking at the financials, they're looking internally, and 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 so they kind of go into a cocoon, and, and maybe that's not where they should be. Maybe they're not looking outside to the competitive landscape. Maybe they're not looking, you know, to their team for, or their customers uh, for help. Is that a fact that may be impacting this also? It's a spot-on fact, Marty. You nailed it. Um, and what I, what I brought it to say is, that, is I loved your metaphor, the cocoon. Whatever their cocoon is, there usually is one, right? So if yeah. they grew up in finance, the cocoon is economics, yeah. right? Yeah. If they grew up in marketing, the cocoon is consumers. If they grew up in engineering the, or the supply chain, the cocoon is cost management, right? Yeah. The problem is there can't be any cocoon. Your job now is to go from playing first chair to being the conductor. You now have to see how all the pieces fit together. Yeah. You, your job is to create breadth, is to bring the seams of the organization together, to create cohesion. Now, organizations, by their nature, naturally fragment. They pull apart. There are silos. There are pieces. Yeah. You, in the middle of the organization, are part of that landscape. You now have to rectify that by bringing – by coalescing these parts and making them to a whole. So you don't have the luxury of seeing the world through finance or marketing or supply chain yeah, yeah. or R&D anymore. You now have to see the competitive muscle of go to market yeah. or innovation or some larger capability that exists at the seams of all these organizations. And you have to learn how to manage that. Well, if you have no experience doing that or you're not naturally wired to see the world that way or you're so good at the, at the cocoon of finance or consumers or whatever that you can't let go of it, that that's another way you fail. You're not ready for the seeing the broader, the widest possible image of the organization you can. So I would think that one of the traits that they'd have to have coming in, and this is what part of what you're teaching them probably, is that they've got to be open. They've mm-hmm. got to listen to their staff members, to their 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 executive team. Uh, if it's a public company or even a, a, a private company, their board of directors or their those kinds of things, they have to be open. Am I right? They ha- and they have to go ask. ask it's not just yeah. a matter of look. So many m- many leaders think they have to look open, you know. But they they think it's we call that faux inclusion. Look like you care about what people think, but already have the answer. Uh, and people see people see right through it. Yeah, you actually have to be willing to have your mind changed and show that you're willing to have your mind changed. 
Yeah. If you look like you're the answer ATM, all you're going to do is <laughs> all you're going to do is train leaders to come to you and ask questions and give them the answer and you train them to not think for themselves. You're saying I don't want you to think I want you to have my answers and use my answers and do it my way. Well, that's an awfully big setup. Yeah. For the organization gets tested or you hit some some rough patch. Yeah. When if now everybody's looking at you. Yeah, and you're not going to have the answers, baby. <laughs> so no, and and now now you got to tap dance because yeah. now you came to think you do. So yeah. now you got to look like you have the answers. Yeah, my guest is Ron Carucci, C A R U C C I. Is it okay to say you're on LinkedIn, Ron? <laughs> on LinkedIn, yeah. Twitter at Ron Carucci. Yeah. Also, we got a free ebook for you if you want. If you come to navala.com/slash/transformation, we have a free ebook for you on leading transformation in addition. So, if you are a leader in a startup or a midcap or a company where you're you're now responsible to lead some big messy change, that's our blueprint for it. So, come get that. Navalin.com. So, yeah, come, come keep the conversation going. We yeah. have a great quarterly magazine called Navalin Quarterly that has all of our great research points of view and ideas on this kind of stuff on teams and organizations and leadership. So, come subscribe for that and. Yeah. Uh, check in with us and once a quarter we'll put that magazine in your inbox for free Ron you are one of the truly credentialed people I've had on this show I mean you, you have you have done it man you've, you've traveled you've been with all kinds of different folks so um, so that's why I'm encouraging people to go to your site and learn more and follow you and again I, you've already mentioned you're doing articles for HBR and Forbes all the time so make sure you pay attention folks okay um, the thing that I wanted to ask you too I wrote down this note is it is there a difference uh, I'll say between a private company and a publicly traded company in all of this stuff that we're talking about you know I think the feedback loops are more intensified so if you're if you're if you're working with other people's money yeah um, the market will punish you quicker right so if you have a misstep or you make a misjudgment it's much more visible in public and then there's a an expectation that there's a you know uh, a fall guy or a scapegoat yeah. in privately held companies or especially this is true in family-owned businesses the feedback loops are much slower and so some of the nonsense can go on much longer and there's a, there are ways to hide it yeah. um, and you know there's good and bad in both right each has its trade-offs and its upsides and downsides yeah, uh, yeah. I think in the family-owned businesses especially it becomes very difficult when you're changing generational hands Amen. where yeah. founder owner is now passing the baton off to the kids or to some other set of people that's usually pretty difficult well, especially if you're the founder and there's a, a, a bad dose of founderism present yeah. where you, <laughs> yeah. you you have built the identity of the organization around yours and now you can't extract yourself from it so nobody's really able to take over so it looks like people have taken over but they're really not yeah yeah I, I spent a lot of time in those kinds of companies Ron so I see that all the time Pretty so painful. so let's um Let's start to go down this road. Um, we've uh, we've already clearly established that people should learn. If they aspire to be these leaders that we're talking about, they should learn. They should learn from you. They should go to Navalent.com. Uh, you have this program called Rising Together. They should buy your book, Rising to Power, Rising to Power by Ron Carucci. So let's uh, give a couple other points here for folks that are maybe even closer to that corner office you have a couple of suggestions you want to throw out to help us well you know the the the, the, the great news in the research was that we were we asked ourselves okay well half are failing what are the other half doing what are the ones that are actually succeeding doing uh, that's helping them stick the landing and setting them apart yeah and we were able to isolate four very important patterns okay um that actually 
can be learned on the way up. The, the, the hard part about the research was that you had to be good at all four of them. If you were good at three of the four of them, you, you still ended up in the failure group. But they're learnable. Uh, the first one is, I already talked about is context, right? You can read the tea leaves. You can adapt your ideas. The second one I already talked about is breadth, right? So you can stitch the seams of the organization. The third one was choice. So these were the leaders that were able to make, able to make the hard calls. Too many of the folks in the failure group doled out way too many yeses. Yeah, They're yeah. So, so afraid to disappoint people and hurt people's feelings that they just said yes way too often. And in, and, and in so doing, when you're at that level of an organization, you dilute resources, you dilute focus, you confuse people with ever-changing priorities. Yeah. But the good leaders were able to say no, narrow the focus of the organization, and stick to it. Um, and they weren't afraid to disappoint people. I tell, yeah. I tell leaders all the time, leadership is the ability to disappoint people at a rate they can absorb. I love that. <laughs> disappoint people at the rate they can absorb. That's, if, you're not, if you're making everybody happy, you're not leading. I love that. That's strong. <laughs> That's really good. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> all yours. Actually, oh, I, parted, I, I sort of bastardized <laughs> it from Ron Heifetz at Harvard. Yeah, there you um, go. I love it. Did we get all of them in? I kind of got stuck on connection. that last one. The last one was obviously relationships. So these people uh, were the ones that had amazing relationships with bosses, with peers, and direct reports. They, had, they were credible. They were trusted. Every, every company has them, right? They're the people everybody wants to work for. Um, but the real distinguishing factor was the way they built and prioritized their networks was not on what they could get from people, but they prioritized their time and focus on relationships that they could help people in. Yeah. They, they went after the people they could help succeed, not the ones that could help them succeed. Yeah. And everybody yeah. knew that if you got in their presence, if you got on their agenda, your career, your learning, your development would be better. It's pretty amazing with all the information out there that we still have the failure rate that we have. I guess that's why I'm kind of have job security and you have job security, I guess. It's um, astonishing. I mean, it's... it's it is on, astonishing. It's I say it all the time. It's 2018. It's 2018. <laughs> you know? but, hey, thank God that it's happening, you know? So, so yeah. you know, one last point that's, again, going, going through my head is that, uh, and it all ties into what you're saying, is that, you know, the speed. We all heard this. The speed uh, of everything happening. If you, no matter what you are, uh, I often think of Ace Hardware. Like, how does Ace Hardware, which they seem to be doing okay, how do you possibly compete against uh, Walmart and Amazon? H- how do you do that? I mean, that's a whole other show, but I guess the point is, and I, I hope you'll agree with me, is that you have to have these traits you're talking about um, to just handle the speed of everything. <laughs> right, Ron? Well, if you're a retailer today, I don't. You, nobody envies you. I oh, mean, my look, goodness. Yeah. Granger. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Home, even Home Depot now is having their lunch eaten by Amazon. Oh, it's it's, these, it's these, absolutely these, these fixtures of American you know business landscape. And the reality is, the business the, the business fundamentals of competition differentiation are are, are critical. Yeah, um, you've yeah. got to figure out. Ace is now trying to compete on intimacy and service. Right, big is not better. Yeah, you can get now if you walk into most Ace stores. Yeah, they've been a, they've been on a ten year reinvention process as a, as a company. Yeah, they're here I'm actually in Chicago today, and they're here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and you know what what they've done is really gone for the customer intimacy model, where that you really walk in yeah. and feel like someone is there for you, yeah. which Amazon and Home Depot can't and won't do. Um, but but your digital footprint, how, how customers can access your merchandise, and of course the the big one is price. You've got to be able to compete and keep up on cost and price. So, um, and, yeah. and 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 the you know now if you are subscribed to the idea that the best days of brick and mortar retail are behind us, then you're going to see this doom and gloom, 
you know, yeah. future. Malls are malls are being mothballed, and there's nobody walking <laughs> into stores anymore. Yeah. But if you believe that the best days of brick and mortar retail actually might be ahead of us, that somebody will figure out how to disrupt brick yeah. and mortar retail. And I mean, here's the issue: it hasn't been reinvented in 50 years. It's yeah. inconvenient and it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who wants to go to a store anymore. But if somebody figures out how to reinvent the customer experience at brick and mortar retail places, and some and some people are doing it, right? You have Shinola and some other sure kind doing of full stores are, sure. are figuring it out. Sure, they're if doing it. Yeah. People can figure it out. Then you're going to see the online retailers chasing them. Yeah, and I I think that uh, I'm going over my time. That's okay. We have no time in podcasts um, because I'm enjoying this conversation. Yeah, I think people get so stuck in that it's either or. It's not. I mean, look at Walmart. They're they're really kicking ass now online. I mean, they're they're really stepping up. I mean, so you know, and, and again, we're we're using uh, you know Ace Ace Hardware as an example, and and I think that can really happen. So we do need to wrap up. My guest has been Ron Carucci. It's C A R U C C I. His company is Navalent, and you can go to Navalent.com. You can access, uh, learn more about them. You can learn more about Ron. You can find out everything he's writing about. Go out and buy his book, which is called Rising to Power. So, Ron, thanks so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. Marty, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care now. Thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Reminding you to find all our shows and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show, but stay tuned for information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite Radio show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builder Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.